and welcome, citizens of Dark Rose City. You have arrived at episode 43 of Dark Rose Comics Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry E., and I'm joined by my co-host, Victor Young. If you are new to this show, this is a podcast where two nerdy guys brew themselves a nice hot cup of coffee, and then we sit down to break down, analyze, and discuss some of our new favorite comic books coming to the local comic shops. The coffee we'll be brewing today is called Pangoa. Roasted by Propeller Coffee Company. I like how I always like you just gotta pronounce it with like a question mark at the end. <laughs> you guys just because you're just so <laughs> so just, unsure. It's with your it's pronunciation. hard. You know, it's hard to it's hard to know, and uh, I don't want to I don't want to say it with such confidence <laughs> that it's just clearly wrong. Confidence is key, my friend. You know? <laughs> confidence is key. Well, you know. Uh, you're, you're right, you're right, sure. The, <laughs> the comics we'll be discussing today are Gideon Falls number 10, Batman Who Laughs number 2, and Venom number 10. It's, it's a small week, but you small know what? Each book, you know, it's worth talking about. These are these are heavy books, though. Heavy, heavy books. books. Very heavy books. Um, definitely not the kind of hectic scheduling we've had over the last few weeks trying to catch up for the holidays, but for sure. <laughs> yeah, we went from talk. 773. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 7.7 uh, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. Hey, but the 3 assists, those 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 are what those are what makes MVPs. Well, no, actually it would it would if you were to read the stat line, it would actually read 7.7 7 assists and then 3 rebounds. That's how you would actually read the stat line. Rebounds at the end? I thought Reba- it was point rebounds assists. No, rebounds. Uh, re- rebounds. <laughs> <laughs> rebounds are always at the end. So it goes oh. points, assists, and rebounds. That's how you would read the stat line if you were just looking at those three stats. Ah, okay. Yeah. All right, that makes sense. Boards are always at the end. Uh, but, well, you know, who cares, who about, cares about basketball? It's an offensive league. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you like this show, please hit that subscribe button on the podcast service provider of your choice. Now, do note, this is not a basketball podcast. <laughs> we, can be, we can be found on podcast services all around the world. So alongside we're hitting that subscribe button, let us know how we're doing by hitting that iTunes and leave us a review and a rating and make sure you tell everyone about this podcast. So, before we dive deep into our coffee and our comics, how have you been, Victor? How's your week? Uh, week's been good. Uh, busy at work. Busy working out. Um... I ended up watching uh, that Netflix movie with uh, Natalie Portman called yeah, Annihilation. Bird Box. Oh, okay. Annihilation. That's Sandra Bullock, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bird Box was good, too, but I think I, I spoke about that last week. Yeah, I think so. Actually, yeah. Uh, but I watched, uh, <laughs> I watched the, the, it was, it's called Annihilation. Okay. It, it stars Natalie Portman, Gabrielle Rodriguez, and... Well, those are the two ones you probably really only care about. Uh, not to disrespect the the other actors and actresses. That, oh, Benedict Wong was in there too. Benedict Wong. He plays. Uh, uh, he plays Wong. Wong in uh, in, in uh, Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. And he's playing the um, the, uh, the 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 uh, the principal in the new Deadly Class. Is he a principal? I thought he was uh, just like a teacher. He's Master Lin. Is he the principal? I think so. Yeah, oh. yeah. He's playing Master Lin. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. It actually came out last week, no? The first episode came out last, last week. Last week or this week, I can't remember. But a uh, couple months back, it was actually made available for free, I think, the first episode. It was on like, it was on YouTube? Or just, it was somewhere online, but it was free. Well, probably 
but we're for sure get a watch. To watch it, yeah. yeah, I'm for sure watching that first episode. Looks I love really that good. series so much. Yeah, actually, the the new arc just started. The last, and I think it's the last arc. Yeah, but the the newest arc just started again in the comics. So okay, okay, okay. That, yeah. So there, you should definitely read that. You should definitely catch up. On I, that I'm, you know, what? So I good. I've looked at some of the artwork. The artwork itself is really good. So I'm 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 interested in checking it out. You, yeah, if you want, I can uh, I can lend you my comicsology like details. Yeah. So then you can just read it on there. I have the I have the collection on there. Uh, so. For for all listeners, uh, Jerry's a, a comicsology guy. I'm more of like a physical. Like I'll get the chance to read it when I get the chance to buy it, sort of person. <laughs> I I have them, I, I have them both. That's how much I love. Oh okay. Series. Oh well. I have the physical. I yeah. have the comicsology, and I remember when uh when the first few issues were coming out, I was in I was in England. Yeah. And they have their own chains called uh, Forbidden Planet. And their own yes, like yes, yeah. yes. So they have their own variants called like for the uh, Forbidden Planet variants. Forbidden Planet is like the biggest comic shop over there in the UK. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. yeah. So when the issue came out, there was a couple of like different variants that they had in that shop. My God, they were so good. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy how like every like you go to any state in this in the in the country or in this in, well in the states any states in the states <laughs> <laughs> or you go you go to any province of canada or you go to any country in the uk and it's like every place has that one big comic shop right because yeah. for us in toronto it would it would be the silver snail yeah technically yeah. right so i mean it'd be cool to at, at some point get a chance to to go and check out all those stores. Oh, right? for sure, for sure. Uh, but anyway, back to my point. Yeah, uh, naturally, it was a good movie. <laughs> a little, oh well, yeah, that's a, right. A little out there, but uh, but yeah. I think oh, yeah, we're you, talking about better than yeah. <laughs> We go ahead and go and check it out. Uh, but other than that, it's on Netflix. You said it's on Netflix. Yeah. Right. So obviously, you know, whenever you get a chance, go watch it. Uh, but other than that, super excited for uh, this upcoming week because we're finally going to get to see the new Dragon Ball Super Broly movie that yeah. we bought tickets for a while ago. Yeah. So hyped. So yeah, hyped. It actually, because uh, it actually came out on the 16th this past Wednesday mm-hmm. and it broke box office records. Really? So, yeah. So... Like for animated films or just in general? Uh, I, I'm not too sure what the stipulations were for what it means to actually break box office records, but if it's... If it's reportable, I'm sure it's like some it's sort of substantial, some, yeah. substantial record, right? So, uh, yeah, I'm super excited for us to go and check it out on uh, on Monday. Uh, a whole bunch of us are going, so it's it's going to be a very good evening for us, I believe. <laughs> you gotta, oh man, I'm gonna yeah. come dressed as Broly, dude. That's what I debated, like it. a short Chinese fat Broly. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's gonna be. Me. I'll join you, man. Don't worry. I'll join you. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, man? What you been up to this week? Um, more catching up on uh, on animes and stuff like that. So we didn't get into Alicization. Um, yeah, we were talking about that last yeah, week. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. We didn't start Alicization. Instead, we started the uh, Gun Gale Online Alternative. Uh, you know what? I've watched a couple of episodes of that it's one. It's pretty fun. It's pretty... It's fun. It's fun, yeah. The premise is very weird. Like, it, it's, yeah. there's no real premise. Yeah. I, I didn't actually get too far in that series. Like, I think I watched maybe, like, the first three or four episodes. Mm. Uh, it, it, like, the premise of it is, like, it's weird, but it's good. Yeah. Uh, it's just... The only thing about it is... It's a story about a character that I don't really care about, mm-hmm. right? Because they're they're selling the premise of that of that anime 
under the assumption that it's going to be something similar to Sword Art Online, mm-hmm. in, in, which it is, right? Uh, but you you go in with the feeling of okay it's gonna you're you're gonna care about this character kind of like you care about kirito mm-hmm. but you don't yeah right that's yeah, that's yeah. the only thing so I, I may go back and try and continue watching a couple more episodes uh but at this point like i just don't care enough about the main character to really continue on mm. with a ggo right it's so. it's just more openly fun like yeah. video gamey fun yeah. rather than um like rather than like theme subtext and stuff like that yeah. with sword art um but so far i like the character len she's it's, hilarious it's funny because like it, because <laughs> her character in in gun gale is like this like five foot nothing character <laughs> yeah <laughs> but she's like super tall in in in, in her real, life. real yeah. life and then the reason why she made that character was because she didn't like being tall in real life yeah imagine that being a problem <laughs> being too tall yeah just give me all those <laughs> inches i'll take it like <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll take the height man for sure but yeah in that show it's it's fun i like it um and just there's one scene so funny it's it's so funny and when you watch it you're gonna be like this is so over the top it's yeah. hilarious but i don't want to get too far into it uh and when this intro's already running pretty yeah long, so yeah basketball <laughs> dragon ball all that stuff a lot of catching up to do yeah, this yeah, week yeah. apparently <laughs> yeah yeah it's one of those weeks you know yeah. one of those weeks all right why don't we go brew that coffee we'll come back talk about some comics all right buddy let's do it And we're at the comic segment. And what we do in this segment is we take some of the hottest new books to hit the local comic shop. And we bring them here. We read them. We dissect them. Well, actually, we don't read them on air. But we dissect <laughs> them. We analyze them. We discuss them. It'd be a very long podcast if we did. <laughs> yeah. If we go just uh, do a dramatic reading of the entire book. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, what was it saying? Yes, we analyze them. <laughs> and then well, we talk about them uh, and discuss them amongst ourselves. And we hope you'll find our discussion engaging uh, about some of these books. So... Before we get into our books, though, Victor, why don't you tell us a little bit about the coffee that we'll be having this week? This coffee this week, Jerry, yes, is called Pangoa. Okay. And it's from the country of Peru in the region of, uh, I want to say, Yunin or Junin. Um, probably screwed that up. How do you spell uh, it? J-U-N-I-N. N-I-N? Yeah. Junin? Yeah. But I don't think you pronounce the J in Spanish, no? Oh, right. Span- okay. So it'd be Union. Union or Junin? Junin? I don't You know what? Junin. I'm sorry, guys. That's all I got to say. <laughs> uh, and, if you're and, from that region, please send us an email. Yeah, Let us know. Yeah. I'm not sure how you can spell it out in an email, how to pronounce something, but you know. <laughs> and, and it's been roasted by our good friends at uh, Propeller Coffee Company out here in uh, Toronto, Ontario. Nice. Nice. And so far, it's really good. So good, this coffee. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's, we'll, we'll leave it's it really tasty. We'll leave it at that for now. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting some ideas of, oh, the, no, me of too. the notes, but me too. Uh, it's actually really smooth. And it's just, a lot of it is, I feel like it's hidden underneath. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, before we start talking about the books, spoiler warning, because of the way we have to break down some of these books and because of the way we're talking about the plot of these books, we are going to go into spoiler territory. We are going to have to spoil the plot. Um, if you haven't read the books, please hit up your local comic shop. Make sure you pick up the books, read the books first, and then you come and listen to the podcast. Or if you just like listen to us, that's fine too. Stick around. Yeah, like if you don't Whatever care you for want. spoilers, yeah. then absolutely you should definitely just stick yeah. around. Just chill with us. Yeah. just This is this is the chill with us podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, send us an email at uh, contact at chillwithus.com. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, let's get this thing started with Gideon Falls Number 10s, written by Jeff Lemire with art by Andrea Sorrentino, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Steve Wands. Everything came My together. God. You know what? Move over, Matt Pat. We are officially <laughs> the best theorists on the internet right now. That's all I got to say. I'm just kidding. He's, he's still very good theorist. Yeah, I was going to say. But we, this, this issue pretty much confirmed that we nailed it right on the head. Yeah. Right on the head. Uh, and what I mean by that is uh, Norton St. Clair is in fact, spoiler for them, bro. Daniel. Oh <laughs> uh, man, we I, when honestly reading this issue, I got chills. Yeah, absolute chills go through my body reading this issue. It was so well written, so well paced. Like the suspense, it would is the same amount of suspense you would have gone if you were watching this as a TV show. Oh yeah, like absolutely. it was crazy absolutely. the way that they did it. And you know what? hats off to to this team like this issue i just i i, I can't i can't <laughs> rave about it. i'm speechless i can't rave about it enough take over jerry take over i can't i can't do this anymore <laughs> i think I, I think one thing we have to look at for sure when we're um when we're talking about this book is the way that they're revealing the information the way that they're peeling back the layers it's the I, i'm assuming these are theories and assumptions that quite a few readers will have as well yeah um, because of the way that they're lining up the plot so yeah. uh, we said it a uh, few like way few episodes back yeah um, when we're thinking about we're just sort of like coming up with ideas of what we think the story will go with the end of that first arc and we were talking about how what if Norton is Daniel what if he's yeah. the missing brother and yeah what if you know and then what if we're talking about this idea of the Black Barn being this sort of um, temporal fixture yeah. into connecting two timelines, two together. timelines together. And in this issue, with the way they're peeling that back and the way they ultimately revealed um, revealed that at the end, I, I think it's just really masterfully done. Yeah, with, uh, Sorrentino just really knew how to weave that together, uh-huh. and the way that he laid it out on the uh, on the page, the way that he drew it. Um, and the color work is just fantastic. Like the artwork, like they were literally weaving it together. Yeah, they were on point, and they weaved it together, and they come, they come to this parallel, right? And right. and then ultimately they come at a head, and they 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 face each other. Um, and we're talking about Father Fred and Norton Sinclair. They uh-huh. come face to face inside this barn, and obviously they don't know who they are, like who each other are, but now they've connected the two timelines together and it's it's interesting because what's what it's also suggesting is that the the situations that are happening in the two timelines are literal parallels of each other and that is how they're able to line up right now at the same time yeah. of discovering the barn together uh-huh. or rediscovering the barn together and uh, the way that's done is just so well done that's uh, you take over now. I can't. Really, I can't read about this enough. It's so well done. It's. I mean, yeah. Like it. I. I just wish <laughs> I watched this as a movie. You know what I mean? Which will happen. It, it'll happen because it got, picked up, cause it got show, picked up. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Now, a couple of interesting things here. The Norton growing facial hair. I don't think that's a coincidence. Like, I think him growing that facial hair was to match the earlier image of the the older Norton Sinclair from the 1800s mm-hmm. that initially murdered all these people in the barn. Yeah. Right? So, I think like they were trying to draw like those physical parallels between those two characters. Yeah. Um, so I thought that that was interesting. Him and, and Father Fred meeting up, that was something else. Yeah. It was also funny too because they just <laughs> stared at each other like, like who, who are you? <laughs> and that was the end of the issue. They just them staring at each other like, who, they got, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's the perfect, it's like the perfect first line that you would expect him to say. Yeah. 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 And uh, I'm kind of curious where they're going to go from here. Yeah. Because my my one thing is that um, because Norton was supposed to serve as some sort of key to something, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it seems that, what like, is this what they meant by that? Like, is him recreating the barn? And then walking into and being able to unlock the barn and walking into into that that, that little portal, mm-hmm. like was that what they meant by he is like you are the key, mm-hmm. right? I'm kind of curious if that's what they meant because he did find a key <laughs> and unlocked the the barn yeah. within this particular area, but does does that sentiment go beyond that at this point, or mm-hmm. has he done what he's meant to do? Right, that's that's what I'm sort of curious about at this point. Yeah, and I I mean from this we can we can confirm that they are in fact different timelines. Yes, right? because the barn is in the exact same location. They're on the opposite sides of the barn, and they don't see each other, obviously. So, you know, as they're piecing together that barn, so like that little area where the the landfill is. Uh, that's that's representative of where they are. So right. it's in fact I think confirmed that they're in different timelines. Um, with regards to the key, I feel like I feel like yeah, that that's basically his entire purpose after yeah. he comes onto this side. Is I think is he's trying to rebuild that gateway to to get back. Yeah, um, and that's kind of been his entire purpose to do it. It also brings up an interesting question. Because they happen, the two events happen at the exact same time. It's almost like the situations that would have happened in both of these timelines, they're yeah. almost predetermined mm-hmm. that they will come to this exact moment and this exact time. Yeah. Right? Um, so I think that that's pretty interesting as well because they, it's almost like whoever is behind all of it knew this was going to happen regardless. Yeah. Right? And that they were going to come to a head at this exact time. Now, what I find also interesting is that is also Father Fred not recognizing Norton because he had all those photos of him from Joe Reddy's house. Mm-hmm. So he knew what Norton looked like with the face mask and everything, which is what he's wearing right now. Yeah. He knew what he looked like. So maybe just the shock of it all made him sort of forget that fact for a little while. Uh, but I found it interesting that he didn't recognize it right away, or or maybe that that was the way that that Jeff had uh, intended to write it, just to sort of 
this is how they're going to end yeah. the issue sort of thing. And also, the idea, I think, is Father Fred is interested. I think Father Fred thinks something's going on. But yeah. Father Fred is also not like Doc Sutton, where he's like all yeah. into it. Yeah. So him seeing stuff like that, maybe he just didn't pick up on it. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't think that the guy with the mask, you know, is that important. Yeah. So he's now in this situation. He sees the guy. He probably doesn't recognize him right away to be the guy in the photos because he probably just wasn't paying that much attention to it. Right. Him, you know? Um. Now, this leads to another thing that I'm sort of... I'm expecting to happen uh, moving forward into other issues. Uh, Norton crossing over to uh, Father Fred's timeline, meeting uh, Claire and and, and meeting uh, the Doc, his his actual family. Yeah. Right? Uh, And then potentially even Father Fred crossing into Norton's timeline. Right? Like, what are the repercussions of of those things happening? Mm -hmm. Right? Because I think it's... There's a pretty substantial difference in time between these two places, right? Um, obviously, the the implication is that Norton is within our modern time, while Father Fred is in like I don't know 1800s, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, not that far. Probably like I would say like maybe the 70s or or early 80s is probably a couple the, decades away. Yeah, I would say. yeah. So I mean, what are the repercussions of them crossing into each other's timeline if it happens? And what is the intention for these two to meet in the barn? Uh, and also Father Bishop. Uh, the, the the bishop, not Father Bishop. The bishop. Oh, the bishop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really creepy. Yeah. He's just like, just just go there. You'll find me there. So does that, so does that also mean the bishop is also Norton? I don't know. That's too many questions. Too many. I don't think. Matt Pat help us out here. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think what may end up happening is, um, where was that page with the bishop? Yeah, the the bishop says when you get there, you need to find me. I'll be there too. Um, I feel like the bishop might be the one who's sort of pushing Norton along on the other side right. as well to get to this moment right. and he's also pushing Father Fred here at this moment right he might just be the one that's behind all of it yeah you know? I, I, I imagine that to be the case yeah uh, just because he's oh, he, out of everybody he has been the most mysterious figure yeah right we've gotten no explanation for the bishop uh, we were initially led to believe that he's just some guy that's just sending Father Fred to Gideon Falls, right? But obviously, as the issues come out, as the story progresses, the the conversations with with Father Fred or between Father Fred and the bishop it become increasingly more cryptic and 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 strange. Yeah. And then finally, when he calls him at the hospital, number one, how do you figure out that he was at the hospital? Mm-hmm. And then number two, how does he know that all of this is happening? Right? When he clearly just very very clearly just sent him there. Right? Yeah. So there's a lot of mysteries that now need to be unpacked with the release of this issue, but I'm so glad. I'm yeah. so glad that our theory has been confirmed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For the most I, I I'm patting myself on the back right now. And I think <laughs> 
and and just to further on that, pretty early on, we kind of had the idea that it was gonna be a lake house type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, and it, and I'm glad it's going that way. The lake house theory. The, the lake house theory. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm glad it's going that way because, um, I I wanted this to be a kind of a situation where you're you're taking characters out of their own time. Right. 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 To create this sort of to create this sort of suspense in the background. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of time traveling stories. Yeah. Because in tr- truthfully, like I'm a big believer in anything goes in fiction. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be explained to the T scientifically. It just has to be intriguing. And for me, time, time traveling stories are really intriguing. As long as they do it right. Exactly. Yeah. And, but I feel like any story can be intriguing as long as they do it as right. As long as you do it right, yeah. yeah. But for me, yeah, like time traveling is a big thing for me. I think it's pretty cool. So something like this where it may not even be about time traveling, but it's about the con- converging of different timelines and stuff like that. Yeah, because they're not traveling through exactly, time. Exactly, exactly. But, so. but, well, technically we are as readers are traveling back and forth between time. The, between the timelines. Yeah. As readers. As readers. But as characters between Father Fred and Norton, they're they're not traveling. This is like the first time. This is the first time they've they've met. Converging. And yeah. we knew that they were gonna meet. Yeah. Or we at least theorized it. So Yeah. So something like this really piques my interest. Uh fiction wise, I, I feel like this is this is where I enjoy the most. Yeah. Yeah. I, I the one thing that I'm I really like about this series so far is I have no idea where this is going. I have yeah. zero idea yeah. where this is going. Yeah, like as much as we theorize about it, and like a lot of that came true. Yeah, I I don't know what that means though, right? Yeah. Like we we theorized that it was going to be a story about converging timelines of these two being on different timelines. Okay. Yeah. But, but what next? Because we still right? don't we still don't know who like the main antagonist of the story is, and what the purpose of of or what the intentions are of the antagonist. To set something are, up, yeah, like, yeah. like, what, what's the purpose of this? Like, why are we doing this, right? Mm-hmm. So there's still a lot of questions that remain at hand, uh, but for them to be able to keep the story this interesting, this impactful, without revealing that sort of information, ten issues in, like, it's just this is good writing, my friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is very good writing. Yeah, uh, I, you know what, I, I don't know what else to say. I just. <laughs> you, Jeff, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, Andrea. Thank you for the beautiful artwork. I this may be one of the best issues I've ever read in terms of comic books. Oh boy! I, I will give. I will That's give high praise. <laughs> <laughs> Says Nicholas Cage. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's it's up there for me. It's up there for me. But I mean, obviously, that there's there's like the books out there like. Like All Star Superman, you know, like. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Well, you know, sure. There, there right. are there are issues out there where it's like there are like moments, and I think this yeah. belongs in one of those moments. Yeah, it because the way yeah, and because of the way that this book was constructed and the way that this book's pacing was laid out in front of us and how it's revealing those layers and the way that it's drawn and everything, everything worked out perfectly. I think. Yeah. yeah. So to me. It belongs in one of those moments. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 10 out of 10, man. 10 out, 10 out of 10. 10. <laughs> 10 out of 10. 
forgetting of all we'll time. read again <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'd hope <laughs> definitely we'll read again when they release that um, usually for Image they'll release those big collective like collected uh, hardcover editions yeah, yeah yeah definitely picking that up when it comes out oh for sure yeah. this is this is this is just one of those uh, one of those stories you gotta do it for right yeah for sure for sure alright so uh, do any any last minute theories you wanna make in terms of what you think they're going to talk about uh, next week. Or next, uh, next uh, issue. For, for sure, Father Fred will eventually recognize Norton during this meeting. Mm-hmm. He'll know that his name is Norton. Then Norton will ask, well, how do you know me? And then <laughs> <laughs> and then they'll, they'll go into that whole conversation with Joe Reddy. He's going to remember Joe Reddy. Do you think it's going to be like a conversational next issue? I think... A lot of it's probably going to be conversational because because this conversation is important. Yeah. Right. Like it sets it uh, sets the stage. It, we've we've been waiting forward. for this conversation to happen for ten issues. Yeah. Right. So I wouldn't even I wouldn't even mind if they spent a whole issue where they were just talking. And I'd be, then, I'd be very happy with that. And every panel is just them two standing there in the red. Yeah. And they're just black and white and they're in the red. Yeah. And that's the entire book. Like I would be absolutely okay with that. Right. Yeah. Because a lot of information is going to be given to each other within that conversation, right? Like I'm I'm almost certain next issue or the at least the issue after he's going to find out where he, who his real family is from Father Fred. Okay. That's my theory. Right, okay. Yeah. Do you have anything else? No. No, I think you about covered that. <laughs> covered that pretty well. I I think so. The, the the conversation is so important. Yeah. Um and it will set the stage for for what's to come. So. Uh, yeah. It, it needs to I think the conversation piece needs to be long. I, at least have the issue. Yeah. Okay. And then and then I guess they can take it wherever they want from there. Yeah. Right? Because after this meeting, it it because we knew that everything was going to culminate to this point. But what's the what's the next step? Mm-hmm. Right, that's just the that's the bigger question that we, well, we're eventually hoping to to find out moving forward, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so let's wrap up the conversation on Gideon Falls, and let's move on to our second book. It's called Batman Who Laughs, number two. It's written by Scott Snyder, with art by Jock, colors by David Barron, and letters by Sal Cipriano. Thoughts, Jerry. Thoughts. Why don't you share with me first this time? I'm always going first. It's not fair, uh, man. It's. <laughs> I I like it. I I feel like they're talking. Okay, the way that the story is laid out, yeah, is to me pretty typical for for a Scott Snyder book. Yeah, and sometimes I think it works out really well. Sometimes I think it takes a little bit for that to hit the sweet spot. Yeah, and this is one of those situations where. I think the intention is really good. I think the idea is really good. Yeah. I think it was too rapidly executed. So the idea that the Wayne Tower has this this sort of like um, backup thing called the Last Laugh, yeah, which very conveniently named, I would say. Yeah. Um, it's this whole structural. Yeah, like, thing. why would you name it the Last Laugh? Now to come to think of yeah. it, yeah, like why would Batman himself <laughs> name it the Last? Well, Laugh? Well, he named it the Last Laugh because Gotham had named it the Last Laugh as a thing to protect itself. <laughs> um, you know, as like a historical thing to protect itself. Right. Okay. If it becomes infectious. Yeah, right. Right. Um, right. I remember reading because that the now. the plague. Yeah 
coming yeah, in and wiping yeah. out. So they they made it that for a reason. Yeah, yeah. So Batman decided to do the same thing for Wayne Tower, and he called it, um, and he called it the last laugh. Yeah. Um, sort of in honor of that. So the idea for me is, if you're introducing, if you're going to introduce this idea of the last laugh, um, and you're going to use it as use it as a device to create this event yeah. in the book I feel like it needs time to marinate yeah when he explained and and Scott does this a lot Scott does this a lot he likes to make references and he likes to make he likes to make almost like real comparison real life comparisons or like historical relevance yeah. to a lot of the things that he's coming up with to fit into the mythos of the Batworld. Right. And for me is a lot of that is really interesting stuff because he'll find like he'll find the littlest thing out there and he'll make the connection and he'll make it a part a part of Bat Mythos. Yeah. Now the problem is when you do it and then you let it unravel right away. Because now it feels like you're building a mythos just to have a device, just to have a plot device to move it forward. Yeah. And to me, that's a little odd, because right. he he when he did the original Batman run from New Fifty Two, he planted a lot of seeds yeah. that didn't come to fruition until like issues later. Yeah. And those ones you you feel the impact when they right. happen. You're like, oh yeah, he talked about that. Yeah. But I think in this issue, it was executed too quickly. Yeah. To see the Wayne Tower go down pages later, it's, it takes it away a little bit for me. Because I didn't have time to marinate and understand the importance of it. Right. You know? So, like, I I feel like I'm right now I'm just, like, sort of, like, picking apart at the book. I really enjoyed this issue. Yeah. And I think anytime you put Scott Snyder and Jock together, you're going to get a good issue. That particular way that he structured it is a little odd, only because it doesn't resonate with me. Right. Uh, there, to me, <clears throat> again, yeah, I, I think I agree that I really enjoyed this issue as well. Uh, anything Batman Who Laughs is is always a good oh, time, yeah. in my opinion. Absolutely. Uh, this is. I feel like this is one of the greatest new characters in comic book history in, in recent times. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least one of the most iconic and memorable. Uh However, like this, the, the issue for me unfolded in in a way that was a, a little confusing, right? Like, there's a lot of things going on that <clears throat> that uh, that that gives way for confusion if you're not reading it very closely, right? Yeah. yeah. If you're not reading, especially that part where um, <clears throat> where Batman disguises himself as Harv, right? And he's uh, talking to uh, Commissioner Gordon about. Uh, the murder of the other Bruce Wayne that fell from another dimension, mm-hmm. right? Uh, or another universe. And to me, it wasn't immediately apparent that that was Batman, right? And maybe that that was by design just to perhaps give a hint of how good his disguise is mm-hmm. to the readers. Uh, but I don't think it, it needed to be written in that particular way. Right. right, uh, I think a, a, a it was used as a dis as a way to display the way that Batman's behavior is changing 
uh, as a result of uh, the, the Joker toxin. <clears throat> but again, if you're not reading it carefully, like you could very much misconstrue that dialogue and not think that that was Batman. Yeah. And then like he, they were having some sort of weird third person conversation, <laughs> right? So uh, a lot of a lot of the comic unfolds that way, mm-hmm. right? Uh, like let me try and find another example here. Uh, uh, him fighting this dimension's Batman uh, when he executes the last laugh, and then getting help from the Grim Knight. Which is just another dimension's Batman, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're again, if you're not reading this carefully, it's it's very, it's very difficult to sort of break down and and understand what's going on because this Batman that he's fighting with the Grim Knight is not the Batman that's affected by the Joker toxin, I believe. Uh, you mean the Batman that came to? They came to the Wayne uh, Wayne Tower to stop him from executing the last laugh. No, that's the same Batman. That's the same Batman with the Joker toxin. Yeah. <clears throat> See, like I, I, I'm pretty sure because because the Batman is because Batman is keeping it down with the antidote. No, but uh, and then and then in the next panel. Batman goes. Uh, Batman goes get him up now, so he's still alive. Okay. Trying to get the get the Joker to wake up and tell him what the plans are for the Batman who laughs. Right. Okay. So to me, this is because <clears throat> this Batman looks like he died in this explosion. Then in the next panel or in the next page, he's alive. No, he jumped out. He jumped out. He jumped out? Where yeah, did uh, see this? The building... Okay, so he goes and he tells Bill, uh, get me to the window uh, fast, I, I can I, do the bed. Okay, and then I see. The next page... And he's carrying Bill. He's carrying I, Bill. I see, okay. In the red, yeah. Right, it's so, the same guy. So okay, then... there you go. There you go. Can, yeah, yeah. The, 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 I think the one way to tell... The way that they um, framed it in this book, earlier in his uh, Harv disguise... There were moments where if someone's saying something, yeah. he'll start to enrage a little bit, and you'll see like the redder eyes, the red orangey eyes. And then in this part where he's fighting the Batman who laughs, yeah, when the cave in starts to happen, you see the red in his eyes again. Yeah. And then when he goes back to Wayne Manor, um, or rather he goes back to the Batcave, rather, yeah, you see the red in his eyes again. And he yeah. wakes up the Joker and stuff like that. Um, and it's funny because the Joker still has a lot of blood on his chest. So it looks like Alfred even bothered cleaning him up after stitching him back together. Yeah, <laughs> Al- Alfred doesn't care. Alfred, 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 doesn't care Alfred even want him alive. Right? Yeah, exactly. He didn't even want to save him. <laughs> so like you you see that like that's like the one constant with the Batman is that like they're, they're putting in more anger. They're putting in more sort of chaotic look to him yeah right because he knows that the toxin's starting to take over mm-hmm. and he's using the antidote to keep it down he looked like Bane for like a minute he yeah, just at the beginning, all these like serums and needles in his body look like Bane for a second I'm like holy smokes <laughs> and what does Bane serum gotta do with this <laughs> <laughs> so yeah exactly at the beginning that was also confusing um, but, but again, yeah but you see how it got confused with that right like if you're not reading carefully even if you're not looking at the artwork carefully yeah 
it's very easy to get confused. So mm-hmm. I, I guess that's just a fair warning to to readers moving forward as this run continues. I mean, it's only a six issue run, but that's yeah, a miniseries. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but just a fair warning to just be very careful when reading these issues because you really gotta pay attention. Yeah. Right. And and I, I might as well take the time now to say it. Uh, so they made the there is a reveal at the end of the issue. Yeah. Um, and you know, spoiler warning. Uh, so. James Gordon goes, or Jim Gordon, rather Commissioner Jim Gordon, goes and seeks out his son, James Gordon Jr. Yeah. Right? Um, so for those who don't know, James Gordon Jr. was a pretty integral part to the story Black Mirror, um, the Batman the Black Mirror. And this was from that detective comics, uh, that brief detective comics um, arc when uh, Scott Snyder wrote it with Jock. Right. And this was right before the New 52. So right before uh-huh. uh, Scott Snyder took over Batman on New 52. So before that, he did parts of Detective Comics and he wrote the story called The Black Mirror. That was like 10 years ago. <laughs> no, it can't be 10. It's two, eight, eight? eight. Well, no, the tw- okay. The, res- <coughs> the restart happened in 2011. Okay, right? New yeah, 52 yeah. happened in 2011. Yeah. So, well, actually, that could be like a year or so before that. So, yeah, yeah close to. Yeah. like nine years yeah so it's been a while so that story is from then um i would highly suggest uh, i'm not going to talk too much about what happened in that book here because i'm not going to spoil another book even though we're spoiling this book you know yeah. um but if you haven't read uh batman the black mirror you should definitely go back and read it and the next issue is called black mirrors so <laughs> yeah so there's gonna be quite a bit of callback to that yeah. i think and there's going to be a pretty major reason why James Gordon Jr. is here. Um, and you should definitely go read read that book. Um, you know, you can find a trade anywhere, basically. Mm-hmm. You should definitely go read that book. And then and then for, you'll be more prepared, I think, for the next issue. Yeah. And you, you, you'll have like a month to like read it. So. Because I don't think, I don't think that the that the reference will be will be so um i guess obvious that you need to read black mirror i don't think they're gonna set it up that way yeah um and if they do they'll always they always add a footnote to say you know read whatever yeah exactly yeah uh but i think this is very much catered to to new readers so i don't think the 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 reference will be so overt that you have to go back and read it but it's obviously a a great suggestion that you you should probably go and read it yeah because I, you'll you'll have a bigger appreciation for what they're doing here. I think if you go read that book, especially because it's the same creative team, right? So, reading that, it's like it's almost like Scott just reaching back and taking one of his old toys and be like, "All right, let's put him here now. This is why, yeah, and stuff like that." And there's there's a pretty big reason why he would put him here. Mm-hmm. So, if you haven't read Black Mirror, I would definitely say go read it, just because it's such a great story as well. Yeah. Um. And you'll then, get you'll just get a lot out of it as well. If you if you have read it, then obviously you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but. and then uh, I, I suppose on the on the issue three, we'll we'll get a little bit more into it as to why this particular reveal is is important. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I think aside from aside from the criticism I had earlier on on this book, for the most part, like the the artwork is fantastic. You know, the way 
the way that Batman Who Laughs is portrayed in this book mm-hmm. very menacing and the Grim Knight man and the Grim Knight you know he's just he's like, grim who, like who is this guy <laughs> he's just, I feel like he's, I know he's, he's a he's, Batman he's but... military Batman basically right yeah like what drove um, so him to like Ben Affleck like what if he yeah what if he, like in this particular universe Batman takes uh, the gun and kills uh well, that's what he said. the 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 gun fell to him. Yeah, yeah. Instead of the gun falling somewhere else, yeah. this is this is good stuff. <laughs> it's. I want to know more about this Grim Knight guy. Grim Knight guy, yeah. yeah, for sure. But one thing, um, one thing I want to talk about before we move on to another book, um, he talks about how our Batman, uh, this Earth Batman, yeah, is the is the most unhappy Batman. It's the most right. sad Batman, right. Right? right? Because all the other Batmans have found what it is that satisfies them. Yeah. Right? And it makes you question, in in the way that it's portrayed, mm-hmm. does vengeance actually satisfy? Right. Right? Which then leads me to believe that the, the Batman, the main Batman that we're talking about within the storyline is not the Batman that... In uh, Earth Prime, mm-hmm. I don't think that this is this is probably some other off-brand Batman, <laughs> like <laughs> some other universe. I think, no, but yeah, 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 yeah. Like we talked about from last issue, mm-hmm. it might be like an alt. He yeah. might be messing with an alternate Batman. Yeah, but yeah, because because if you think about it, the he talks about it from before where um, he he still remembers that his father's hand was on his chest, mm-hmm. you know, covering the heart because mm-hmm. that was. You know that was the thing you want to protect the most, right, right? right? But ultimately, you know, when his father got killed, you know, he feels the the hand fall and stuff like that. And what the Batman who laughs is really talking about here is the idea that ultimately, no matter how much you try to protect the thing that you mm-hmm. love, mm-hmm. you're going to fail because you don't have because suspect like there's just you don't really have the conviction to protect it right. if you can't do what's necessary, mm-hmm. right? And I think what these guys have found themselves doing the nightmare versions of Batman is that they have found the way to cross that line and do it and mm-hmm. do what is necessary mm-hmm. and they found themselves vindicated from it yeah and that they're no longer held back by this by this sort of justice that they impose onto themselves mm-hmm. or that Batman imposes on himself mm-hmm. you know this type of justice that he has to uphold while protecting the things he loves right so it does make you question whether or not the Batman's method, the Batman that we know, our Batman, if his method is actually the correct one, if he should have taken vengeance and just been be happy for himself. Right. Right? Because he does all of that to save Gotham, to protect Gotham, mm. but he hasn't done a whole lot to try to save himself. Right? And this is sort of like his way, or sort of like his way to see it. Yeah, but that's... But that's also quintessential Batman. Exactly. Right? To be self-sacrificing and and to always put the needs of others first. That that that's what makes no, for sure. Batman. For right? sure. And I know that the the Batman who laughs is trying to reveal that as a flaw, uh, in order to you know either get in this Batman's head and kill him or to have him turned coat like they did with the Grim Knight right yeah but and that's the thing right because for the Batman who laughs like 
he has found the thing that vindicated him. But yeah. with with our Batman, the quintessential Batman is that he would he would sacrifice himself and he would you know like a superhero he would yeah. he would protect the things that he loved right but ultimately what is that costing batman himself mm-hmm. right and it's costing his own happiness right so i i like that if this is sort of the direction they're going and this is why the batman who laughs is going out of his way to destroy everything around this batman mm-hmm. that i actually like sort of the the exploration they're going to do in that right. theme because right. It does call into action a lot of the things that you don't normally see when it comes to talking about Batman. Mm-hmm. Because you see Batman as a superhero, you see Batman as the hero that will protect all, but who's there protecting Batman? Yeah. Who's there protecting his happiness and stuff mm-hmm. like that? So And that's what I like about Batman so much. There's so many different ways that you can write him. Like you yeah. you certainly can't do this kind of complex writing with a character like Superman, for example. Well I mean you can Superman Superman, you can. So, okay. The, the 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 way you do it with Superman is not as obvious as yeah. you do with Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of people get hung up on the idea that he's a super alien. Right. Right? But what really makes Superman special is the fact that he's human. Mm-hmm. Human in the, in, the, in the fact that he's raised in America. Yeah, yeah. That he's raised on Earth. The, the way that you would write Superman is very different than the way that you would tackle dissecting Batman. And I think that's where a lot of people have difficulty with writing Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, and throughout like the entire New 52, Superman was just butchered. Yeah. Right? And it didn't and it wasn't until Rebirth that Superman really found human like people found the humanity in Superman again. Mm-hmm. Um and that's like kind of and it's so like I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that that's definitely the case because a lot of people do have difficulty writing Superman. But it may not be as hard because so many people try to write Superman, so it's gotta. There's gotta be some good stuff out there, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Like for example, All Star Superman, the way that's written, you know, mm. Superman is like at the end of his life. Yeah. Right. And the way that Grant Morrison writes him is that, what are the most human things he can do before he leaves the Earth? Right. Is that Superman is still trying to help the people around him, trying to right. connect to humanity. Right. Even when he's like at his own end. Right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you have to find those types of angles or else Superman yeah. is really hard to write yeah yeah. where it's and just him punching big dudes <laughs> yeah that's what people recognize him for exactly right? so, yeah I mean to have that level of complexity to Superman it's not what people normally expect which is yeah. why it's difficult to write because exactly. you have to write that still in a way that's still true to Superman mm-hmm. right like it's it's hard to explain it's hard to explain like you still expect superman to punch the big bad guys right but you still be, to come at that at a different angle though like that's that's tough yeah it's that's to tough. give it's to yeah. give the purpose behind why he's punching the big bad guy yeah right and it's not always about world annihilation no you know it's about yeah. there's about the other little things about why he would punch a big dude mm-hmm. so i think uh i think superboy prime was a was a good example of that actually yeah, the way they wrote Superboy Prime was like that. If Superman was a really like re- like a real bad guy, like that's that's how you would write him is yeah Superboy Prime, right? Or uh, Injustice, yeah. Even though like he wasn't really really evil, it, it's 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 the change in the mindset that was that's drastic and it's the same Superman ideal under a different moral code. exactly exactly. Right? 
and you know that's that's just the way you got to write Superman yeah. moving forward, right? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, like you said, if it's not for those angles, like Superman is a very like two, Superman like one or two very dimensional, dimensional guy. Yeah, yeah, there's not much to him. Yeah, right. So, I I mean, anyways, back to the big point. <laughs> so back to Batman. <laughs> uh, very good issue. I enjoy the artwork. Again, it's just a little confusing if you're not careful reading it. Yeah. Uh, but that's just again, it's just a fair warning to to listeners reading this run moving forward. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, let's wrap up discussion on Batman Who Laughs. Let's go to our last book, Venom number 10. Venom. Venom number 10. (laughs) It's written by Donny Cates with art by Ryan Segman on pencil, J.P. Mayer on ink, colors by Frank Martin, and letters by Clayton Cowles. A lot of revelations in this issue. Uh, Not the most Mm action-packed, which is... A bit of a uh, a bit of an offshoot from the other previous issues, but a lot of uh, a lot of things are explained. Yeah, uh, within this issue that that just needed explaining, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I feel like um, the way that they go about doing it um, is very well done. Like it explains a lot of things as to why Eddie is the way that he is. It explains the relationship between him and his father. It even goes deeper into this relationship that's forming between him and his half brother, right? Yeah. So, a, a lot of things are are revealed in this issue that um, I think are key to to the story moving forward as it is, mm-hmm. right? Uh, <clears throat> let's let's see here. There's a couple of things I wanted to bring up. The first one is uh, his brother. And null, like was that an actual thing that happened, or I think it's a hallucination or a hallucination, exactly. Yeah. Um, the the hallucination was just like, what's the meaning of the hallucination? What does it mean, right? Uh, because theoretically, the symbiote, like venom, the venom symbiote, is sort of like catatonic, right? Yeah, brain dead. So, uh, like these visions that he's having with Null, like, what is the source of that now? Because we now know it's not coming from the symbiote, mm-hmm. or it shouldn't be anyway. It shouldn't be connected. Yeah. yeah. So where are these visions coming from? The second thing, and the most sad thing, is that the venom is no longer protecting Eddie from cancer. Yeah. So, what does? Does that mean that now the symbiote doesn't have any healing properties uh, when it comes to uh, like healing Eddie's cancer or healing his injuries? Like, what what is what is the the I guess consequence of this now, mm-hmm. right? And also, it's very obvious at this point that Eddie himself is very key to. Uh, what's this version of Reed Richards called? I forgot. I keep forgetting. The Maker. The Maker. It's very key to the to Maker's plan. I think it's the Maker. It's the Maker. Yeah, sure. it's yeah. the Maker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very he's very key to the Maker's plan. Mm-hmm. Whatever that plan is, still hasn't been revealed yet. But obviously, the Maker is. I think it was revealed a, a couple of issues ago what he wanted to do. Uh. 
but Eddie is now the key mm-hmm. because he's obviously going very out of his way to save him, right? Uh, so there's a lot of things going on here, and I'm not sure if there's much more you want to say about it, but... <laughs> I, I think the interesting part to, to, to look at here is we, we're seeing a different side of Eddie Brock, but yeah. there's constantly so like we okay we see Eddie Brock as sort of like this more heroic in that yeah. first arc, slightly more heroic in the yeah. first arc, Re, you know redeeming himself in the process, finding the connection to the other um, in the process, right? And then right. we see in this is you know in this arc we kind of start feeling bad for Eddie. We start feeling bad that he can no longer have that to rely on. He no longer has the other to rely on, right. and that he doesn't have that connection anymore. You know, with the symbiote being catatonic and stuff like that, but we're also sprinkled with facts and, uh, you know, of the idea that Eddie is not a good guy. Yeah, like he's a good guy. I think he's he's a good guy by, you know, deep in, deep down, he's a good dude. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, he has done things in his life that have made him not a good guy. And, for example, when he was you know when he was like a teen, you know, completely completely drunk you know you see we've seen that scene before and this is like the first time they explained that scene where it wasn't him that got in front of the car it was it was him driving the car it was yeah right and which was a good which was a good twist by the way exactly yeah it's a great twist when i saw it because i thought he was a kid (laughs) yeah like when i saw it i was like oh man is this where like the venom comes and saves him or like a thing happens or whatever no it was just straight up, nothing supernatural happening here. Yeah, he ran over a kid. Yeah, right, and and that it's a it's a good reminder mm-hmm. that we're not looking at your typical hero. Right, you know, we're not looking at the journey of a hero, a goody two shoe type dude. Right, we're we're looking at a guy who's looking for redemption, and we're looking at a guy, rightfully so, hated by a lot of people around him. Yeah, you know, so you because you you start to feel sorry for the guy in certain situations, and then Donnie is just like, boom, no, he is not a great dude. Yeah, right. And and, and I think that's just it's done, it's done really well, because yeah. it keeps our expectations of what's going to happen to this guy yeah. in check. And. When you put that into perspective, like his his history, when you put it into perspective in relation to the story as it is now, you really s- perhaps start to realize that Eddie's been punishing himself this whole time. Yeah. Right? Like he's he wanted to be punished in that moment in the police stop, uh, station. Mm-hmm. But obviously his dad wasn't going to let it happen. Uh, and he's been punishing himself this whole time because when you when you look at the beginning of the run everything makes sense at the beginning of the run like Eddie is just by himself like he's trying to take all these meds to try and, and keep the voices out or to trying to keep the, the symbiote quiet but the way he's living his life there's no real purpose to it yeah like he's just there right and and it's not like he's trying to get himself out of any sort of particular situation. Like he's just living it. He's just living the way. I, like he's just, just going li- through the. He's motion. just going through the motions. And yeah. and 
like to me like that's just some sort of self inflicted punishment or some sort of form of self exile whatever the case is a lot of his history and his behavior in the last uh, nine issues now it, it makes sense mm-hmm. it all makes sense now uh, now it's just a matter of how does Eddie grow from from this particular moment now mm-hmm. right um, I feel like uh, as soon as uh, I mean obviously it's inevitable that the symbiote will come back I have a feeling now that that the symbiote is going to come back with some with some very powerful upgrades if you know what I'm saying well yeah yeah, <laughs> some very powerful upgrades, and that is going to elevate um, Eddie Brock as a character now, because it's sort of like wherever the symbiote ends up, that's where Eddie Brock is going to be, or wherever Eddie ends up, that's where the the symbiote's going to be, right? So it feels like they're they're going through very similar levels of of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. So when the symbiote comes back and there's some significant power upgrades, I feel like Eddie's also going to have a lot of character development within those moments as well yeah yeah because ultimately those two those two entities raise each other yeah right so and i think that's ultimately where you want to see this run take as well um is to have these two characters develop together over time yeah right uh, and that that's you know that's like the whole purpose of yeah it, so. and the introduction of of his half brother i think changes a lot of things too right? because now this is a the, the first character that we're seeing in this run where where Eddie can like where Eddie potential uh, potentially cares for, right? Um, so we may see Eddie become a lot better as a person, uh, via protecting his younger brother, or maybe becoming more of a more of somebody that he wants his brother to look up to, sort of thing, right? So uh, the introduction of his of his brother, I think. I think has a lot of potential in in adding to those aspects of his character development. Yeah. Yeah. The brother is the brother's interesting. It it gives a good um it's a good way for Eddie to redeem himself. Yeah. To seek the redemption that he's been trying to have mm-hmm. for killing that one kid. Mm-hmm. You know, he's sort of seeing this kid go through, you know, what his dad used to do to him yeah like so i think in in trying to save this kid he probably he he's probably seeking a way to save himself as well so, right yeah. um and he can eddie has been mentioning his older sister a lot more yeah uh i would say within the last two issues he's been mentioned or three maybe maybe three maybe three maybe two he's mentioning his sister a lot um and i'm kind of curious as to how that's going to play out moving forward like what does that mean for eddie brock Mm -hmm. in terms of his character development yeah because obviously you you don't keep mentioning a character like that uh without some sort of purpose yeah and I really want to know what the purpose is for his older sister. Could be another one of those. Um, yeah, could be something he's trying to to seek redemption for again. You know. Yeah, and but, I want to know what happened to her. Yeah, uh, it, it seems like something bad 
like really bad had had happened to her. Um, in which case, Eddie has not lived a good life. <laughs> I mean, it's obvious he hasn't lived a good life, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's more apparent now, based on the fact that he's lost a lot of loved ones, mm-hmm. right? Um, which uh, makes me, leads me to believe that perhaps the fate of his younger brother may not be so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we'll we'll have to see how how that plays out. Yeah, that depends on how. Donnie wants to take this. Does he wanna? Does he want Eddie to find redemption, or does he want to plunge him darker, deeper into a dark hole? I don't know, man. It's right? pretty deep and dark <laughs> already. Right? I, I don't. I don't know, man. Like, so, like how much? Like how much more can Eddie take? Right? Because number one, his symbiote no longer responds to him. Uh, at least intellectually, mm-hmm. there's no response. Right? Yeah. Uh, second. Uh, the symbiote is no longer curing his cancer. So now he has a, the symbiote and he's still dying from cancer, right? Yeah. And when you look at all the things that he's been through and and the way that his life is playing out right now, I don't know how much worse this can get for Eddie. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. he's already... I, I feel as a character, he's already at his lowest point. Which is why I'm expecting some very good things to happen for him uh, very soon. Because, to be very honest, I don't know how much more of Sad Eddie I can read. <laughs> to be very honest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as much as as this is obviously meant to be a darker run, it's it's going to explore a lot of um, a lot of topics that that don't normally get touched in in like a mainstream run like you're never going to see this in justice league obviously right um at least not to to this level so i mean it with in saying that you still expect obviously some upsides for for this character yeah right so i'm kind of curious as to what those upsides mean or, or what those upsides will translate to for eddie uh, because again, like I, I need to see this man happy. Like I, I, I want something <laughs> good for Eddie Brock at this point. Yeah, you just feel so bad for him. Just and that's, so bad. And I think that's exactly why they sprinkle that that little stuff in about the things that he'd done in the past, right? Yeah. Because he has a lot of making up to do. He has a lot of redeeming to do yeah. before you can, be, before he can be considered a hero. Right. I think. Right, so yeah. uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I want to know what the maker has planned for Eddie Brock. Yeah, for sure. Like, wh- how integral is Eddie Brock to his plan, and what does this plan entail for Eddie Brock to do? Mm-hmm. And also, will Flash Thompson come back because he's a cool Venom? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's the one that has the most control. I tell you that much. Yeah, I, I still feel very bad for Eddie during that scene in the yeah. uh, like two issues ago yeah, or yeah, last yeah, issue, uh, a few when, issues ago when, when Flash he briefly when took came, over. came back and he and he felt how excited the Venom symbiote was. Yeah, that was sad yeah. <laughs> when when he found out he was second fiddle. <laughs> like again, like how much worse can it get for this guy? The <laughs> the original host for this for the symbiote symbiote is not even the symbiote's favorite host. <laughs> yeah, 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 and that's and that's. I think that's what really makes this run click is yeah you're not reading a hero 
No, you're right. you're reading like you're reading about the shell of somebody. Yeah, that's all you're reading. About. It's it's real sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eddie, please, please, Donnie, Donnie please give, give, him give, give, give him some love, man. <laughs> give him some love. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's wrap up the conversation on Venom number ten, and I think that pretty much concludes our comics discussions for the week. So. Let's go ahead and talk about that coffee that we've been having over the last. Uh, what are your thoughts? What are moment. your thoughts? It's great. It's so good. It's, it's, it's smooth. Great. It's smooth. Well, take it easy. No copyrights here. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's smooth. Uh, the flavor profile is is so on point. Yeah. Like, um, I'm definitely getting. It's it. This coffee feels very creamy. Mm-hmm. It feels very creamy. Um, like there's some sort of milk in here. You know what I mean? Um, it's chocolatey. It's very chocolatey. Very nutty. Uh, I'm going to say chocolate. Chocolate, uh, milk, and you said it was nutty. Yeah, like an almond, maybe. Okay. Almond, chocolate, and uh, some sort of like creamy milk. Okay, is what I'm gonna go for. Oh, so that's good. actually pretty close to what I had in mind. Yeah, I was think like all those notes hit, and yeah. the first thing I kind of think about was. A chocolate covered almond. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like a dark chocolate yeah. covered almond. A darker chocolate uh chocolate covered almond. And oh, then with so like good. a hint of lime. I had a little bit of that zestiness. I think that might be because of the acidity of the coffee though. Not necessarily because mm-hmm. of any sort of flavor yeah. profile. I think it's just sour because of its acidity. I feel like if you were to get like I feel like a citrusy note would really stand out in this coffee. And I'm not getting much of a citrusy note. Yeah. Just the but sour. If, right? if you get more of the citrusy note, you'll be touching more upon like oranges or tea yeah. or stuff like that, right? But yeah. because this is so subtle, which is why I think it's more like a lime. Yeah. Um just just because it's like it there's like a very light touch of it. Yeah. And that's and that's what kind of lemon does for you. Is like yeah. it gives you that sourness, it gives you that little bit of a kick and that's it. Right. You know, so Okay. For me, that's that's kind of where I'm going with it. But okay. Yeah, I agree with like the choices you had. Okay. Because that's pretty much what I pictured in my head too. So let's see how close we got. All right. Let's the see. tasting notes the are reveal almond, milk chocolate, and cherry. Oh, cherry, eh? Hmm. hmm. I, hold on. Hold on. Not getting that cherry, man. No, cherries to me is a very distinct flavor. I will say though, I don't, I don't have cherries often. Yeah. So maybe that's where the sour is coming from. Maybe because because like, cherry as a fruit is is sour. Like it's it's sweet, but it's it's very sour too. Like when you're trying to get the um, when you're trying to get the seed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, but I'm not really getting much of the cherry. But yeah. we, I mean, we were on point for the first two, though. Chocolate-covered almonds. Um, my boy, we got it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
Two out of three, I feel like, is like our safe comfort zone. Yeah, right now. Well, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. Oh, no, I'll for take sure, it. for sure. That's a pass. <laughs> that's a pass. <laughs> as long as you pass, that's <laughs> that's that's life, you know. But overall, like this is a fantastic coffee. I'm kind of curious if we maybe throw a little bit of milk in there, maybe a little bit of sugar. Like, how's that gonna taste? Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know if that's blasphemous. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm kind of curious to, to give that a try and um, see how that sort of, if that makes the notes more apparent, less apparent. Like, does it change the way the overall taste is? I mean, I'm sure it does, yeah. but but uh, I'm more curious as to how it changes the notes. Yeah, for sure. I, and I think because it already has that sort of chocolatey taste, yeah. you may not need to go too heavy on the milk. Yeah. Just a little bit of cream, just maybe. A, just a little bit. Well, maybe a little, a little splash. Just a little, a little, a little drip, drip. Maybe a little splash, <laughs> like 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 our new third Splash Brother Boogie Cousins. Dude, that... Okay. You know, I don't want to talk <laughs> yeah, about that. We won't talk about it right now. <laughs> you can go on forever about that and, and the NBA in general. Um, okay, <laughs> let's, uh, let's go ahead, wrap up this segment. Let's go to... Uh, Let's go to... You got me distracted now. With I'm Boogie sorry. Cousins. I'm sorry. My God. Well, let's just head to the boardroom now. Let's head to the boardroom. Let's go uh, do our Humble Heroes Agency segment. And let's see what recruit we got for us this week. Yeah. Let's go. Ding. We're at our boardroom for the Humble Heroes Agency segment. And what we do in this segment is we scour the internet and we try to find a really cool superhero that, uh, that you know, someone has made out there and put onto the interwebs. And uh, we try to recruit them for our agency of Humble Heroes. So, Humble Heroes. Victor. Yes. What do we have this week? Who do we have this week this week week. yes this week yep we have on the front lines of our interview (laughs) (laughs) vegetable man (laughs) okay origins yeah coal was a botanist attempting to create a fertilizer that would supercharge normal plants possibly wiping out hunger so noble cause there okay he gave his formula to many different plants but he saw no change. So he thought he failed. Then everything changed for him. Okay. <laughs> a very uh, interesting description here. An accident caused his formula to be jolted by electricity. Sounds familiar. It got sprayed <laughs> all over the plants. And they started changing. They became stronger and seemed to have turned into super plants. But that's not all that happened. As he attempted to consume one of the carrots, his body changed and he was granted the power of super speed. He saw that every plant had its own effect on him since he was also splashed with some of the formula. He decided that he would use uh, these plants to help him fight crime and maybe even become a hero for those in need. He made himself a costume and a bag that would help him hold on to the vegetables. his superpowered vegetables. <laughs> now he's the plant-powered hero called Vegetable Man. I'm, g- I'm going to say this right off the bat. That almost had a supervillain origin attached almost, to it. Almost. Because he... Because one one step down the wrong path, he could have been selling these vegetables for mad money. <laughs> he could, you know what? You know? You're actually very right. Yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to profit from something like this, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's a super villain type, no, no, just right ha- from the get-go. However, he, it, it does say that it only works with him. 
because, because he, he was splashed. He's with also the, splashed with formula. Right? What if he just? <laughs> what if he just alongside with selling the vegetable, he just sells like a little spray bottle? But he has to be jolted with electricity at the same time. Uh, okay. All you know right. I mean? That's a lot of stipulations. There's a lot of stipulations. That's a lot of It's a very specific criteria. <laughs> he has which... to bring the spray bottle along with the battery. <laughs> just have the guy hold the battery while getting sprayed. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> powers. Yeah. Vegetable produced superpowers. Okay. Heightened senses. Genius intelligence. Weapons expert. Whatever that means. Tech expert. And hand-to-hand combat expert. He's a lot of. He's an expert at a lot of things. This is like the Batman of vegetables. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Transformations. Yeah. Every time he consumes a different vegetable, he gains a different power. He, if he consumes a carrot, he gets super speed. Broccoli, super strength. Chili peppers, self combustion slash fire control. Why would you want to combust? Oh, like uh, firestorm. Yeah. Uh, peas, miniaturization, mushrooms, self-duplication, asparagus, elasticity. <laughs> They're going to be like <laughs> mushrooms, hallucination. <laughs> <laughs> How is that a superpower? <laughs> Tomatoes, invulnerability slash invincibility. It's the same word. I don't know why he doubled that. Um, and horseradish, uh, earth slash rock control. It's a very uh, wide v- variety of 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 powers that he yeah. receives um so far so good okay i don't know if we do like do we have to provide the vegetables like do we have to now start paying for production of these vegetables for him like there's a lot of things we got to consider well, no, now. I, i'm assuming i'm assuming that the characters um the heroes that we're recruiting to our team isn't necessarily going to stay and live at <laughs> at our tower yeah right so they'll just still be responsible for bringing their own superpower yeah uh, fair enough yeah fair enough it's a BYOS <laughs> bring your, bring own, your superpower. own superpowers <laughs> his costume green and orange bodysuit covered with leaf and vine markings green boots orange gloves belt with the with V buckle so a carrot <laughs> bag around body allows him to hold on to vegetables I mean, he kind of is like Aquaman. If him and Aquaman are in the same room, someone's got to change. Someone's <laughs> got to change. I, I will suggest this for fellow vegetable man. Yeah. He could put it, he could put the vegetables in like a food processor and just drink it and just drink it as like a power shot. So and then instead of having it, a huge bag, he just he, has like a little pouch. He just mixes all the vegetables into one, bro. And then he puts them into like little pills and he yeah. just pops a pill and gets that's, power. That's so much smarter. Like Dang why vegetables. Like why carry around the vegetables? Like that, that seems like a hindrance to me. Yeah. You have like 30 pounds of vegetables on you. Yeah. I, and, and you got to take your time to like chew the vegetables. And like what happens when vegetables. you're moving at super speed? Like all the veggies just fall out. Because it's just like grocery bags. That just <laughs> They're just on his body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so no, I will say, yeah. Like, I mean, and truthfully, that, though, very versatile. Very versatile. Very versatile, hero. but it's very useful. But it's also his skills are very specific. Like, the, very specific. the vegetables have to be around. If there's no vegetables around, he's, yeah. he's kind of just. You useless. put them, you put it into a food presser, you put it into a pill, that stuff will last a lot longer. You remember remember that uh, that scene in, in um, um, uh, Civil War? Yeah. Uh, when when uh, Hulk is fighting. Um, 
Iron Man, and then Iron, and then Tony Stark calls down Veronica, uh, and he pulls on his Hulkbuster uh, suit. Yeah. What if that's what Vegetable Man does? Like he just calls down, like a huge <laughs> like trailer or uh, like a huge cargo shipment <laughs> of vegetables down to Earth. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you think you got me beat now. We'll what he what out. he needs is a, is a Flintstone from Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Oh my gosh, yes! And it's just <laughs> raining vegetables. He's for invincible him. after that. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what he needs. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, what what do we think about Vegetable Man? Oh, very useful. Very useful. Very I, useful. High high utility. Some things could be used to just sort of. You know, it's like a quality of life yeah. upgrades that he can make. But yeah. other than that, like also he can provide us with some good vegetables too. Yeah, and you That's, know, you'll get your vegetable quotas. You you'll get your daily intake of fiber. Very very useful vitamins. to the team overall. Yeah. Very useful. No, absolutely. I uh, so you know what, vegetable man, you will receive your union membership card in the mail. <laughs> union. <laughs> well, well, welcome aboard to the humble heroes agency. Welcome aboard, vegetable man. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's. Uh, I think. Uh, I think. That's I think it. that's. No, I'm thinking about it now. It's just like you, when you mentioned vegetable man. Yeah. Like this was not the outcome I expected, <laughs> and I'm actually really glad you mentioned vegetable man because, yeah, he may useful. be he may be one of the most overpowered superheroes of all time. Well. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so far, I mean, on the humble heroes team. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, on the yeah. humble heroes team, he is yeah. next yeah. to Clenchjaw. He is one of the best. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Clenchjaw. You're right. <laughs> All right. So I think um, I think that pretty much concludes the humble heroes agency segment. So why don't we hop onto the cosmic treadmill real quick and let's take a look at what's coming up next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you just meow? I don't know. I don't know what I did just now. <laughs> <laughs> so next week, we'll be talking about a brand new book from Image called Oliver, uh, issue number one. And we'll be talking about Batman 63, Justice League 16, Shazam number two, and a brand new series as well from Donny Cates, Guardians of the Galaxy number one. Very excited about that series. So can't wait to talk about that book next week. Okay, so I think that pretty much concludes our show as well. So we thank you for tuning in to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember, if you like what we do on this podcast, please hit that subscribe button on the podcast service provider of your choice. We can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and a whole plethora of other service providers. So remember to rate and leave us a review if you have some time. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about the show, about what we've talked about, or if you have a book you want us to discuss on the show, please send us an email at contact at darkrosecomics.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at twitter.com slash darkrosecomics for the show, twitter.com slash jarethebear52 for myself, and twitter.com slash victorjyoung for my co-host Victor. You can also find us on Instagram at instagram.com slash darkrosecomics. We also have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash darkrosecomics and if you want to be a part of the community you can join our Facebook group at Dark Rose Comics group and as always take care goodbye